Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast, where we not only teach you how to travel the world, but also how to take care of the planet, including the amazing animals that live on it. And on today's episode, we're actually here in Taipei, Taiwan, with a friend of mine who actually got to meet a couple of weeks ago in Taipei, where we got to see the hot springs, and we got to visit his animal shelter. And he's done an amazing job over the last decade plus of helping take care of injured and rescued animals here in Taiwan, including um, dogs is his big love, and I got to see uh, some amazing dogs. And guess what we got to do? We actually got to rescue a dog ourselves. <laughs> and our guest name is actually Sean McCormick. And then Sean and me, we were deciding, okay, what should we name this dog? Because we both rescued him together. So I was like, you know how we named our daughter? We named our daughter with combining my wife and my name. So Ricky and Ann is Rianne. So like, Sean, Ricky, Reese? No. <laughs> then finally we came up with Siri, just like Apple Siri. Apple Siri. <laughs> so there you go. We have a dog, shot of me, and the dog's name is Siri. So <laughs> uh, I'll actually have the links uh, to some videos we made with Siri down below if you're watching this on YouTube. So anyway, um, on today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Sean all about his big passion for animals and animal activism and uh, rescuing animals and really um, creating awareness of um, the plight of animals around the world, but especially here in Taiwan. And he, uh, Sean is the founder of ACT, uh, which stands for Animal Care Trust, ACT for Animals and Helping Animals in Crisis. So Sean, how are you doing over there in Taipei today? Uh, good, just a little bit tired. We had a late night emergency, but uh, that's normal. Yeah, it's doing good. The weather's great. The dogs are happy. That's great to hear. You're happy, the dogs are happy, everyone's happy. So Sean, what we like to do to start off a show is to get to know our guests. And I know you have a huge backstory. I had a chance to hang out with you and learn a lot about your background. But uh, for the sake of the people who are listening uh, on iTunes and watching on YouTube, why didn't you do a quick summary, like a couple of minutes of your background and what actually brought you here to Taiwan? Sure. Okay, well, um, I'm, I'm an Englishman and I've been here 19 years now. Uh, I came here because my friend was here traveling and he just said, you should come. It's a, it's a beautiful country. Tai, Taiwan's not a place that's well known in England. People think I'm talking about Thailand when I mention it. And I had nothing else going on and I needed a little bit of adventure. So I came over for three months and that was 19 years ago. Um, I stayed because I was working as a teacher and I was loving the money because it's quite good pay then. Um, but the intention was still to go back after one year, that was it. But then I started rescuing dogs. Um, when I first came to Taiwan, you'd be in Taipei City, you'd see packs of dogs running around the city together, which I'd never seen before in England. You know, we have stray dogs in England, but they don't get a chance to form a pack. They get picked up quite quickly. Um, and I was quite surprised by that, but they all seemed quite happy. And then I went out into the, the country. I just got a scooter. And a few months later, I was out in the country and I found a, a, a puppy dying at the side of the road. And I knew I had to do something because nobody else was. It looked like she'd been hit by a car because she was lying right next to the road. The cars were literally, their tires were going right past her. And there was blood coming from her nose. And I didn't know what to do, but I managed to find a cardboard box, stuck her in the box, and then I had to go to a bookstore on my scooter with this sleeping puppy to find a book that could tell me where I can take a, a sick dog in Taipei. 
And uh, anyway, long story short, we helped that dog and uh, sent him to a friend, sent her to a friend in the, the US. And it cost me a fortune and I lost my apartment because of, the, because of the dog. She was very stinky and she was peeing inside and I was new to keeping dogs. Um, but I totally loved the experience. And I, it made me remember my happiest times, which were when I was in the US working for a wildlife rescue organization. And I've had many, many jobs, probably 40 in my, in my 50 years. And never been totally satisfied, but this helping change an animal's life from near death or suffering to health and happiness, I was just addicted. And from then on, uh, we're now our, I think, 1600th animal we've, we've directly helped, yeah. So I started four organizations, uh, three in Taiwan. One was Animals Taiwan, that was the first one. And that was after meeting Jane Goodall, just by pure chance and she inspired me to start an organization and I did and it was going well but wasn't going in the way that I wanted it to. I wanted to have something more like an SPCA which is not just rescue and rehoming but also uh, you know changing laws, uh, campaigning, um, uh, education, uh, investigations and the setup of my first organization it, it wasn't going to be possible. Um, and I left and I started the Taiwan SPCA and um, did that for a couple of years, got it up and running. It's now being run by, I think, three ladies from uh, Canada. Um, it's, it's doing very well. I'm not, in, not involved with it in any way at all now, um, but very happy it's there. And they're doing exactly what, what um, we wanted to do, which is it's investigating animal abuse and changing laws and things like that. And... I left that and I thought, okay, I'm not going to start any more organizations. So I just started doing rescues from my home quietly. This is in the days when I had, if I did a Facebook rescue, I might have three people click like. So it was all very quiet. I wasn't getting lots of demands for help. Um, and it was going well until I had too many dogs in my house. And I thought, right, this is it. Let's just, let's find a place. For me and the dogs, where I don't have to worry about neighbors, and if I'm going to have to move, I might as well move to a place that I love. And I've always loved this place called Bai Salwan, which is a beach on the north coast of Taiwan. I've always loved going there. I thought maybe I should try and get a place there. And just by pure luck, a week later, I got offered a place, and I took it. Then what happens is when people know that you've got a big place, because it was about one and a half acres of land, they start saying, Sean, I've heard you've got a new place. Can you help this dog? Can you help this dog? And we started to grow again. And before I knew it, we had 150 dogs. And so we expanded that. We had five sanctuaries at one point. We called the place the sanctuary. Then it became the pack sanctuary. Um, and that became official last year. And I seem to not enjoy things when they become official. I guess I'm a hands-on kind of guy, disorganized, um, ad hoc, you know, frontline kind of guy. I'm not really the kind of guy that likes sitting in an office doing budgets and planning. And um, so I left that one. I seem to be a serial animal charity starter. Um, but in that time when we had the PAC Sanctuary, we did start a UK charity called PAC. And so now we've left the PAC Sanctuary. We've renamed PAC. It's now called ACT, as you can see in our product placement over here. And 
ACT means Animal Care Trust, as you said, and we operate in Taiwan as a non-profit company branch of the UK charity. And what we do mostly right now is we focus on dogs, but we also rescue cats. We've rescued wildlife. We help snakes across roads because they get stuck on the road when it's, uh, when it's uh, hot. They can't slide very easily. Um, and we're now about to build our, and you're the first person to know this. This is an exclusive for wow. <laughs> Thank you. A daddy blogger. Um, we're about to start working on our charity animal hospital, which is going to be open in our area. There's no vets in our area, and it's going to be there to serve the community. It's there to make money for the, for the charity, but also to be able to serve the public and those animals that can't get help otherwise. So that's where we are at the moment. That's, that's a very brief history of, of where we've been. Thank you, Sean, for breaking down for us and uh, summarizing the amazing journey you're on. And you're quite humble. I know it's been amazing and you've gone through your ups and downs and you've really done amazing work here in Taiwan to raise awareness of um, you know, animal, um, the plight of animals and really uh, helping so many animals that, uh, uh, you know, I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. So great, great job, great job today, Sean. So in terms of, um, I'd love to cover a couple of things in the podcast, the problem and also the solutions. I mean, uh, there's obviously a problem around the world with uh, animals and uh, um, bad treatment, maltreatment. Uh, but talk about kind of the general problem you see on a global scale and then kind of narrow it down to Taiwan because we're talking about Taiwan specifically. But what do you see kind of on a global scale first? Globally, I think it's a lack of appreciation that, that animals have feelings, feelings, emotional feelings and physical feelings. That is the, that's the crux of it, really. That's the, that's the point. If you don't realize that or you don't appreciate it, then it's possible you're going to do something to the animal that the animal is not going to enjoy. And that's where animal abuse comes from. So, and there's an amazing documentary, which if you've got the, the stomach for it, it's called Earthlings. You watch that and you realize just how much we abuse animals. It focuses on five areas of, of animal exploitation and it includes the food industry, it includes the entertainment industry and it includes pets. And you realize just how we, we don't do the best for our animals because we do tend to put ourselves first, even when we're caring for them. There are people who care for their own pets, dogs and cats, who they love dearly, but they care for them in a selfish way. They treat them as, as toys, as dolls, and they feed them things that they want to give them because it's convenient and things like that. So, um, and there are people who are extremely kind, but accidentally nurture very timid, fearful, aggressive dogs because they're trying to raise that dog in a way that makes them feel good. So really it's an appreciation of animals' feelings and what they need. That's the, the basic. So, you know, around the world, as I say, watch Earthlings, but you won't get very far through. I, I couldn't watch it. Um, there are laws changing, thankfully. We're seeing progress in many areas. And it's, there's a large number of organizations that are making change, but also the public. And we have to thank social media, even though some people get turned off when they see some of the nasty stuff. And I understand because I don't watch it. Um, it is forcing change and we're getting there. You know, it's like, I honestly believe that the way we treat animals right now, uh, when we look back on it in hopefully less than a hundred years time, we'll look back on it the same way we look back on, on slavery, that we thought it was okay. 
um, but actually it's very, very wrong. So bringing it down to a local scale, um, Taiwan has been uh, a dog-owning country for a long, long time. Um, but it started getting into problems around the end of the 1980s, early 90s, when it started becoming more um, urbanized. And people were moving from the, 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 the countryside into the city. Now, 50% of families have had dogs, but in the country, you've probably seen them when you're on your travels. The dogs are mostly kept outside and they'll shout, hey, come, and the dog comes and they give them their food and the dog's free to do what he wants. It's a very easy way to care for a dog. But also the way they care for the dog, it's kind of, it's not all lovey-dovey kind of, it's like, you know, come here, come, eat, stop that, you know. But that's, when I used to see that, I used to think they don't like dogs. But actually, that is the best way to keep a dog feeling safe and secure. Then they moved into, or started moving into the cities, and they're trying to bring their dogs with them. Now, you've got people trying to have a, a city life with a, an office job, um, long hours, because you know what Taiwan's like, and trying to keep a dog that can't be wandering around outside their home anymore. And that's when we started to get a stray problem. And also more dogs breeding, because they weren't neutering their dogs before, but they were kind of more dis dispersed. So dogs are starting playing up, they're getting pregnant, having babies, they're barking more, they're getting more aggressive and frustrated, neighbors are complaining, and so we started seeing dogs being dumped in the country. But these are dogs who've been raised in the city, and so they come back to the, the, the city boundaries, and that's when all the problems start, because they've formed packs, they, they struggle with food, it's difficult for dogs to get fed healthy on the streets. They get skin disease, they get cancer, they get hit by cars. And, and as you saw when we went out, they, get, they lose limbs to, to traps and snares. So we go out, and I'm talking about dogs because that's our, our focus, but we'll, we'll help any animal in need. But we'll go out and we'll help those dogs that are not doing well. I wish we could bring them all in because eventually they're going to get into trouble we bring in those who are already in trouble or very likely to soon be. Um, and one of the biggest problems that we have here, and it affects maybe 30% of our rescues, is traps and snares. So Taiwan has a huge stray population, but it also has uh, a huge number of traps and snares. And so you'll see these dogs who could do well on the street, if they were fed properly, it's a beautiful environment for them, but they're getting hit by cars, they're getting skin disease from their poor diets, and they're getting caught in traps and snares. So that's our focus. Although, as I said, we'll help any animal in need at any time, um, the focus is really the ones in snares and traps because they're literally hanging there with a snare, ripping off their foot very slowly, or, or they're walking along with a trap, biting into their paw and slowly taking it off. So. We're making progress locally, but as we're making progress, um, more people are having dogs, but not understanding what they need, and that, that leads to its own issues. Um, so education, that's why the SPCA is so important. It's education about how to care for an animal and how to give that animal what it needs so you don't have to dump it in the mountain um, later on. Um, but it is getting better. I mean, Taiwan is a very progressive place and the animal welfare laws are rapidly changing here, rapidly compared to other countries. So there is progress. I'm very proud to be part of that, that movement.
Yeah, you're, you're definitely a forerunner and a pioneer in this uh, space. And, uh, you know, it's, it's encouraging to see the work you're doing, Sean. So I'd love to, uh, you know, uh, give our listeners and our viewers and our followers uh, um, hope. <laughs> because uh, what I found in my extensive travels is sometimes it feels so hopeless. Not just with animals, with everything. When you're traveling around, uh, you see hope, obviously, with the goodness of people. But you see homelessness, you see poverty. You see environmental problems, you see animal problems, and you just feel overwhelmed. What can I do? Even when I circled around Taiwan, I saw, I was actually more aware of uh, the problem that you're alluding to in this episode. I was like, oh man, I keep seeing stray dogs, and I'm just like, what can I do? I'm just an individual, right? So I feel a lot of people have this kind of sense of like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And we're talking specifically to do with animal rights and this uh, episode. Okay. So what, well, we, what can we do as individuals, Sean? Um, well, individuals in Taiwan, there's a number of organizations you can call now, depending on the help that's needed. If you're seeing an animal that's not being kept well or is being abused, then you should call the SPCA. If you see an animal that's uh, been hit by a car or in danger or uh, in a trap or a snare, then you call groups like us. But on another level, there's things you can do to stop us getting into that situation in the first place. So one thing I've realized is that people love animals, but really don't understand them, as I mentioned earlier. And educating yourself as to what your dog needs means you're going to be less likely to have to give that dog up later on. But also helping others. It's not easy because people can be very... Um, defensive when you try and suggest how they can raise their dog better and they see us as being you know, self-righteous and whatever but we, we've done the research we're looking at the science we, we know what a dog needs so on that level for your own animals really educate yourself as to what your, your pet needs whether it's a hamster a rabbit a bird and and there there's something called the five freedoms which are they these are the the rules for our using animals because we use them even as pets we're using them and the five freedoms uh, talk about what an animal needs to be uh, fulfilling its life as a naturally what it would what it would need naturally obviously there's things we can't do like breeding but certainly if a bird needs to fly a bird should fly if uh, they should be allowed to d display natural behavior when it comes to seeing animals in distress if you see an animal um, for instance, we often see dogs on chains or um, you might see a dog kept in a cage. If you call an organization, you're really helping that one animal but burdening the organization and making it more difficult for the rest. We need more people stepping up and trying to do something themselves. So have a word with the people who have the, the, the dog or the cat in the nasty situation and just try and help them. Or I've got friends who go and walk those dogs. Um, I'm trying to think what else. The other thing, of course, is when you see people on the internet helping animals, we all need participation. We obviously funds are, are badly needed. We can't pay vet bills. We can't feed dogs. We can't build sanctuaries without money. But if you can't donate, sharing is the next best thing to do because we've seen it. We, we've seen the statistics when a video gets well shared, of course, that person hasn't donated, but the people they're sharing to will. So sharing what you see is an amazing way to change animals' life and, um, and doing your best to not uh, 
well, if you see an animal for adoption, don't buy a dog or a cat from a pet store. Find one that's up for adoption. There are rescue organizations that have birds and rabbits and, and even pigeons and, and hamsters. So we, we can make a big difference just by changing our behavior towards pets. Um, and as far as I can think right now off the cuff, those are the best ways you can make a difference, but get involved. Just get involved in some way, contribute in some way to an organization that's already doing good. Great, great advice, great advice. I think just like you said, this uh, awareness factor, like I feel like I'm not well versed in the whole animal rights movement, but just hanging out with you, getting to know, uh, you know, your passion for it, it helps me become more passionate as well. So that, that's probably the, one of the best ways is just to hang out with other animal lovers and you will quickly, by osmosis, become an animal lover yourself. And, and of course, like what you're saying, you might not be able to financially donate, but creating awareness, sharing on social media, visiting, um, you know, sanctuaries and kernels and, um, uh, you know, the whole education and awareness and, of course, donation piece are really key here, Sean. So I'm curious to know, um, you've established ACT as your latest organization here. Uh, tell us about your vision. I know you have a big, massive global vision. Uh, tell us uh, about it. Uh, break it down for us. Uh, uh, well, world domination. Um, <laughs> um, the, the vision is so always to keep growing. I mean, that's the, the main reason why I've left organizations because they're going to do fine without me, sometimes better without me. And my time will be better spent building something else. We, if you want to make a difference, you've got to really focus on growth, I think. So, Right now we've got the ARC, which stands for Animal Rescue Kennels. And that's where we take the dogs that we've recently rescued. There's about 30 there right now. We've got 31 coming in from a hoarding situation. And that's doing well. We've got some donations coming in. We should soon have the building finished. It's working well for us as a place to temporarily keep the dogs and for potential adopters to come and see them. But so here's the, the plan moving forward. We finish off this little rescue center. And then there's a number of things that we're gonna be building to work alongside the rescue center. And uh, the plan is build whatever um, <laughs> seems easiest next. We wanna build a cat sanctuary, which will also act as a, a cat rehoming center. We want to build a rehoming center. A rehoming center, the difference between a sanctuary and a rehoming center, sanctuary is for lifetime care. And rehoming centers for those that are going to be going into a new home. And so the sanctuaries can be way up in the mountains, middle of nowhere, that's better for the animals. But the rehoming centers need to be close to people. So they've got to be near to a main road where people can see and say, oh, I could go in there and get a dog. So we're going to be building a rehoming center. Also uh, a charity animal hospital, excuse me. <clears throat> it's a very important thing for us because our vet, who's great, is 45 minutes away which is bad, which is uh, but not bad compared to our previous one who was an hour away. Um, so we have to drive quite far when we have a, a, an animal that needs to keep going to the vet. So we need to build our own um, animal hospital, also because we need vets on staff to be a legal uh, shelter. And the idea is for that animal hospital to be serving us and our dogs so we save money on vet bills, but also providing uh, a service to the, the local community. There's no vet around here where we are. Um, so it'll help to bring in funds for the charity work, but also 
a lot of the dogs here belong to people that may not have a lot of spare cash. They've got a nice life, they've got a big piece of land, they're farmers, but they might not have enough money to spend on a dog's vet bill. <clears throat> Most of us don't. So this uh, charity animal hospital can be there to help those animals that might not get help otherwise just because of financial um, limitations. Um, and we also want to build, and I'm not forgetting something here, the rescue center, rehoming center, animal hospital, well, more sanctuaries. Um, and then we want to do the same thing in different parts of Taiwan. So we want to do all that around our area now. So we're just outside Taipei. And then we want to do the same thing in uh, Gaoshan, which is the very south, uh, Taichung, which is the main city on the west. <laughs> I have to think about that one. And maybe something out on the east. There aren't any major cities out there. There are some cities like Ilan, Hualien. We could do something around there. But we want to keep growing. We want to keep helping those people who are struggling to help animals. I've been there. And you need financial help. You need uh you need to be, you need mentoring how to do things best so you can grow uh, sustainably. So there's a potential out there for us to, to cover the whole of Taiwan eventually. <coughs> and then world domination. <laughs> First Taiwan and then the world. And it's, it's, it's domination in a positive, beneficial way in terms of helping, supporting, and caring for those who need it, that they don't have a voice, you're being a voice for the voiceless, so to speak. So, uh, of course, uh, you know, we want to empower our listeners, our viewers, our followers uh, to act, because, of course, appropriately enough, your organization is called ACT. So how can our network support you and uh, support animals in general? So what are some of the ways that we can act? Great. Um, well, we've just finished renaming the charity, so we've only relaunched it in the last few weeks. We have an Instagram uh, page that you can follow. Uh, it's called Act for Animals. There's an underline in between the words. We have a YouTube, uh, which has to be renamed, but should be the same, Act for Animals. Uh, we have the website, actforanimals.org, and we have a UK-based Facebook page which is Animal Care Trust, because Animal Care Trust is the umbrella charity that's, that's uh, funding all of this. Um, go click, like, subscribe, share, donate, adopt. Um, but yeah, find us online. You'll be amazed at what we do. We, you know, I, England is a very, has a very long history of animal welfare. Um, and we have a huge population of animal lovers but then they've never seen the kind of rescues that we do. Um, you know, we go into the jungle late at night because there's a dog in a trap. We have to avoid all, this, all the, the traps and snares ourselves and we have to avoid the snakes and then we have to try and get an aggressive dog out of a snare. We have dogs who are close to death because they've got this appalling skin disease that's just eating away at them and they're depressed and they're near death and they're half their weight and we can transform their lives. You don't see that so much in England because it would never have got that bad. Um, so you're seeing stuff that you just wouldn't see. Monkey rescues. We did a monkey rescue a while ago, caught in a, a snare. Um, eagle rescues, eagles with broken wings, um, snake rescues. So you follow us, you're going to see some stuff that you're just never going to see anywhere else. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Sean. And I just want to encourage everyone who's uh, listening and watching here today to do something. Uh, Martin Luther King said it really well when he said, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. So you who are watching and listening are good men and good women and good kids and good teenagers and good young adults, good dads, good bumps. So do something. Like what Sean said, you can follow, you can share, you can donate, and you can adopt. So do something. And if you're not in Taiwan, do something in your local city, your local uh, country, your local organization. So do something. And if you can, do something with Sean's amazing organization. Because I've seen it firsthand. Definitely, he's the real deal. And he's doing incredible work here in northern Taiwan, just outside of Taipei. So Sean, uh, thanks, my friend, for coming on our show here today. Wishing you the best with ACT. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. They're definitely quite different than our usual uh, uh, episodes where we talk about money and travel. And well, here, we got to talk about the animals you meet in your travels. And of course, no matter where in the world you go, you're going to see the animals. And you're going to see animals that need our help. So let's do something together, guys. And thanks for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery. And make sure you check out, out, us out as well at daddyblogger.com and digitalnomadmastery.com as well. So happy travels, and thanks very much. Bye, Jen.